It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. With an effective character, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, Ashley will be sharing her experience, strength, and hope with us in this episode 33 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. Woohoo. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Yeah, good, and good morning, Ashley. So Hi. Ashley's uh, joining us, and um, this is... If you're listening and you're like, every single week, I don't know what I'm going to get with these guys. That's that's kind of the, the magic of the program is you don't know what you to expect. And since we're, we're all in quarantine, yeah, we're all in our separate studios right now. So, uh, yeah. Ashley, we, where are you at? You, are you at home right now? I am currently at home. Yes, actually, to be precise, I am sitting in my closet. It's my prayer closet <laughs> that I get with um, I get with my higher power every day in here. Love it. And that's actually the best place to, uh, if, if people, uh, we got a lot of messages, people that wanted to start a recovery podcast because everything is now, uh, you know, meetings are on Zoom or, or different platforms. And if you want the best audio quality, they actually say, uh, go in your closet or make a pillow fort. So get in your bed and put the pillows all around you because it'll absorb the sound. So I, not only where God is, but also. Uh, if you want your message to be uh, awesome, so wow, uh, Dennis is in his pillow fort. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it's a blanket fort, but I do have a couple of pillow walls. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it really is so good. Uh, why don't we kick off, James? I know you since uh, you're closest with Ashley. If you can introduce her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, you yeah. sound great. Yep. Awesome. Um, okay, I, I met Ashley three years ago. I've got a wonderful story about her. I was, um, as you guys know, I'm, you know, married to my wife who got sober the same day as I did. And when we moved up to um, Orlando area, um, my wife had been looking for a new sponsor because her last sponsor said that she wanted to have her find a new one close to her. So. Um, Without, with a little bit of trial and error, I remember my wife coming up to me and telling me that she thinks she's unsponsorable. And I just, I just remember um, like looking at her like, I, I don't think that's true. And, but I could see the fear and the sadness in her eyes, like, you know, time takes time. But um, I remember going to the West Side Club and um, I remember um, sitting in uh, one of the, the desks or the tables and I remember um, hearing Ashley share, and I was with my wife at the time, and uh, her share was so filled with God and, you know, her experience, strength, and hope. Like, like almost at the same time, my wife and I looked at each other, we're like, oh, that's her. <laughs> I swear, we like, we like knew it, like both of us. And then I remember after that, my wife shared, 
And my wife is very spiritual as well, and but she was still new in the program, so she's kind of like an untamed lion, if you will. And I remember Ashley looking back after she shared, they like met eyes, and like she could feel her spirit. They felt each other's spirit. And since then, you know, she became my wife's sponsor. Um, she invites us to all her parties, and she is so filled with the spirit. I love Ashley so much. She is just a wonderful wonderful being i love her so i want to just introduce ashley and uh have at it oh my gosh <laughs> thank you so much james i'm not supposed to cry before i start sharing <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely the most beautiful introduction i have ever received and thank you so much i felt that in every level of my soul um and i love you so much as well um, all right, so I'll, I'll, I'll get started then. Um, so my name is Ashley, and I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is November 15th, 2014. I have a sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor, and I sponsor amazing and beautiful women, and I'm so blessed and so grateful um, to be a part of the journeys of other young women. Um, so my story, my story starts... Um, back, you know, from birth. <laughs> um, I grew up in Jacksonville. Um, my, I have a beautiful, amazing mother, but she is um, very, very codependent. And my father was and is um, an alcoholic. And um, due to his alcoholism, he was very uh, abusive and violent. I, I experienced a lot of that. I, I watched a lot of those things in my household. Apart from his physical, um, emotional, and mental abuse. He also, his occupation was he was a drug dealer and a pimp and he um, prostituted women. So my view of what a man was to be to a woman was very skewed at an early age. And um, I watched a lot of um, just toxic behavior. I had a lot of that in my household. Um, I say that so that anyone listening understands that, you know, that is a part of my story, but that is not why I am an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic because I like the effects produced by alcohol. And um, it talks about that in the doctor's opinion, um, that it's just, it's so, the sensation is so elusive that even though it's injurious, even though it like causes wreckage and pain in my life, I cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. That is what, that's what my experience has shown me through alcoholism. So needless to say, um, as I grew, I got involved in drinking. Um, so I didn't want to really deal with the things that I saw my father do. So I was introduced to alcohol, which kind of took that all away. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't feel, I didn't feel the sting or the pain of what I had witnessed in my life anymore. I was a new person. I was free or so I thought. Um, and, uh, and the way I drank was different, you know, in the beginning, it seemed to be something that was just fun and, you know, young teenage stuff. But after a time, I could see that the way I drank was not like other people. Um, they didn't talk about it the way I talked about it. You know, if I would go out to 
dinner or anything and or to a friend's house where the parents let us drink and they let us have a little you know glass of wine or anything like that like I became completely obsessed with it and I was like what is this like why are they taking it away from me you know like it was the end all be all of my life everything revolved around it I didn't want to hang out with people who did not want to drink and I would only hang out with people who did drink for a very short amount of time because I didn't want anyone to be privy to the amount of alcohol that I drank so I would get alcohol I would drink it at my home. Then I would meet up with a certain group of friends. Then I would meet up with another group of friends. And this behavior would continue on and on. And, you know, people, my second round of friends, it's like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. And they're like, how are you so wasted? <laughs> like, you know, you're way gone. Like, what is up with this girl? And, um, and that was just my life. That was just how it had to be so that I could enjoy my alcohol you know um what I thought was enjoying it so um throughout my teenage years I got into a lot of trouble I was in and out of the juvenile detention center and on all sorts of different programs and deferment plans you know all these different um things to you know get me better but I was just not able to see it was not the alcohol that did this it was it was something else it was you it was because you did this because you pissed me off of course I'm gonna fly off the handle you know it was all these other things that were causing this behavior um but not the alcohol um it was very clear to everyone that it was the drinking except for me I was so blinded by my obsession um, that I, I couldn't be, I couldn't see clearly. Um, when I was about 16 years old, I, um, you know, put myself in a position that was unwise and I ended up getting raped through that situation. And, um, it was by my boyfriend at the time's friend and no one believed me. And it, uh, it took something out of me and, um, you know, I just decided like no one cared about me. Like I was nothing. I was absolutely nothing. I was worthless. This is how I'm treated. You know, Um, this is how people are going to see me. So I'm just going to be that. So my life just went downhill so fast, faster than I even realized. And, And what was scary and what was very sad was that time was going by and I wasn't even, you know, present or aware of what was happening. I was so obsessed with my next drink that I couldn't even live my life. Um, when I got older, a little older, I was 20 years old and I met I met a guy who I thought was the love of my life. And we ended up having a child, my son, Jackson, who is my world. And um, he, my son's father ended up going to prison because he was very, very physically abusive to me and one thing about my childhood and my life was that I would never date anyone that looked like my father because I didn't want to be treated like that but I ended up choosing men that were exactly like my father so so was my um, son's father so he ended up going to prison and um, my life I, I, I wanted so badly at that point to be like okay this is where I step up this is where I am going to be a good mother to my son this is this is what's going to happen but because of my alcoholic mind, I could not do that. So him going to prison became the reason that I continued to destroy my life. 
and to drink myself into oblivion. Needless to say, I ended up losing custody of my son. Um, my mom stepped in and I hated her so much for that. I wanted to kill her. You know, I was so filled with so much anger and resentment. But looking back, you know, I'm grateful for that because it it allowed me to get to that to that bottom, you know, that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization that it talks about in the book. And, um, you know, I wish I could say that it happened immediately, but that's not the case. You know, I still am an I still am an alcoholic. So, you know, even losing my son was not the thing that brought me back into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, it took more time, um, more of a beating because I was very, very prideful and um, self will run absolutely wild and um you know after a bit more time it was about six to eight months later I finally hit my bottom and it was no it was nothing extremely spectacular that happened I just happened to wake up to another random guy that had happened so many times before but this time something just felt different it did not feel like okay I'll just grab a drink and like it'll be fine like whatever this guy will look better he'll look the way he looked last night you know it didn't wasn't like that this time it was there was um this darkness this like very deep dark place inside of me that I could feel on every level of my being and I remember getting out of that house and crying and asking God like, what is wrong with me why am I like this? I have nothing. I have no one. I need your help. And um, God met me right where I was at. And I experienced this overwhelming sense of grace and love. And it poured through every part of my body. And I had this intuitive inspiration. And it was like, Go to AA, girl. <laughs> go back to Alcoholics Anonymous. See what they got there. You've been doing this for a really long time. Why don't you go? And why don't you actually try to do the things that they say? Because I had gone to Alcoholics Anonymous for 10, 12 years prior, off and on, you know, trying to get the monkey off my back, get people to shut the hell up and let me be. So I'd go to AA, you know, briefly. But this time it was like, just go and try. If you go and try, like actually do the stuff they're talking about and you still feel like this, like your life is going to be right here waiting for you. Like it's no big deal. You can just do this at the end of it. So I'm like, okay, I go to Alcoholics Anonymous and I, <laughs> I meet a woman who did not tell my exact story, but what she shared, I felt in my heart. And it didn't matter that our stories weren't exactly identical. She spoke the language of the heart that was speaking directly to my heart. And I asked this woman to be my sponsor. And she said, yes, of course. <laughs> That's not as scary as it seems. A lot of people think asking someone to be your sponsor is like, oh my gosh, asking someone to prom and maybe they'll say no. Most of the time people are gonna say yes or they'll direct you to someone that they feel is even better. So it's never anything to, to fear um, that greatly. So we ended up going through the steps and um, I tell you what, my life became so beautiful and so magical as a result of walking through this journey with this woman. Um, you know, the first step admitted I was powerless over alcohol and that my life was unmanageable. 
initially when I would look at that step, I hated it, you know, especially when I was young, because powerlessness was um, not something that I was trained to do. Like you save face, you smile and you keep going, keep pushing. Um, But at the place that I was at, I could see I was powerless over alcohol. Anytime I picked up a substance or alcohol, I could not stop drinking. And even if I put it down for a time and not want to do it, something drove me to do it because I have the mind of an alcoholic. Um, And, you know, the next part of that, that my life was unmanageable, like that was so clear to see, you know, that was so obvious to see. And um, finally, I could, I could see it. So I took that step. And to be honest, I take that step every day. Every single day that I wake up, I wake up with untreated alcoholism. So I have things that I have to do in order to get well. All I have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. So I have to exercise this every single day. And I admit that every morning I am powerless, God, and my life is unmanageable without you. So that is my abridged version of the first step that I take each day. Two, came to believe in a power greater than myself would restore me to sanity. I always believed in God, but I believed um, that I had gone too far and God didn't want me anymore. Um, And that was not true. So I, I asked God back into my heart and I did believe that he was the only thing that was going to be able to restore me to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. The third step prayer was such a powerful moment for me. I remember taking that outside a restaurant on my knees with this woman. She had, she had no shame at all. And I, I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know if I want to do this. And she's like, girl, how much crazy stuff have you done like while drinking in front of who the hell knows? And I was like, okay. So I took that step and that was a decision to actually decide, God, I know that I have free will, but I am going to turn my will to you and allow you to take control in my life. Because where I've, when I've had control of my will, it's caused me devastation and debauchery and so much pain. So I'm going to give this to you. But step three is also making a decision to continue on with the steps. So I did make that decision. Step four, the one that scares everyone <laughs> made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. You know, I was so scared of that in the beginning, but really to write down all the stuff that I did was really only between me, you know, it was really only writing it out like to myself and like having that being honest with myself. Step five admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. That's when I had to share that with my sponsor. You know, I'd already taken for- the fourth step with God and myself. Step five was giving this over to my sponsor and being honest with this. And I tell you what, I was so afraid that she was going to judge me. And this woman, it was such an alcoholic moment because this woman literally topped like one up to every one of my stories. I'd be like, yeah, but I did this with this guy. And she's like, yeah, I did that. That's like this night with like three. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I cannot win with this woman. You know, it was just like, well, I got this. You got that. And like, it was just this constant back and forth. And it it was hilarious and moments were grieving and sad and beautiful and funny. And it was just such an incredible experience. And the place that I had brought myself to, I was ready for anything. So, you know what? You want to sit here for, it was about nine hours we sat together. <laughs> you want to sit here for nine hours and talk about me this whole time? Let's go. I'm completely like egotistical and self-centered. So let me talk about myself and all my life crap. Um, it was such a beautiful experience and I experienced what it talks about 
in the book and the fifth step promises was afterwards I felt that I was walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. I felt the weight of all of my pain, all of my trauma was completely lifted from me. And I had never experienced that much peace and freedom in my life. All that I was looking for out there, I found in that moment. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Love that. And I love the name of your group, by the way. <laughs> um, I had When I did my fifth step, my sponsor was sitting there, like writing down things, things that she heard in my story that were coming up over and over and over, you know, pride, self-centered, um, dishonest, self-seeking, approval-seeking, all of these different things that she kept hearing over and over my story. She wrote those things down. She gave me this list and asked me, are you ready to have God remove these defects of character? And I said, yes. Um, step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. I humbly offer those defects to God each and every day. Along with my powerlessness prayer, my third step prayer, I ask God to remove all the defects of character that stand in the way of my usefulness to him and to my fellows. And um, just let me quickly say, after the fifth step, there's in the book, it does talk about an hour of meditation. You take an hour to yourself. My sponsor did have me do that. And that's when I experienced a lot of all of that that freedom and that spiritual moment i just wanted to to talk about that because that might not be something that people think about but after the fifth step is done you are to be silent for an hour so that you can have that moment and allow god to take those things from you oh jumping back over step eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all and this was a, this one got me, dude. Like on my fourth step, I was like, yeah, this person did that. This person did that. Nah, 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 nah. Angry at this, angry at that. You know, all these things. And then I realized in step eight, my sponsor's like, okay, yeah. You know, so like all those people that you have those resentments for. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to be on your eighth list. Those are your amends. I'm like, what? Like I have to make amends to these people. I don't even know what that looked like. What, is, what does that look like for someone who was, you know, violated and raped you know when when I was young like how do I make amends for that and I actually had to make amends to myself in that because I did not deserve that treatment but I had to take my power back and make amends to myself for allowing that situation to dictate the person that I was going to become so I had to free myself from the bondage of what that did to me and for allowing it to control me for many years because it that thought just kept me, kept me drunk. It kept me sick. Uh, step 10, continue to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. That's a spot check inventory. That's something that I have to do every single day. And at night, I have to take an inventory and I have to say, what, what did this day look like? You know, was I selfish? Was I, you know, dishonest? Was I, like, the big book talks about it. Do I owe an apology? Is, have I kept something to myself that I need to discuss with another person and um, it's laid out right there. So I take that every night. I actually have an app on my phone and my sponsors and I, we do this and then we send our, um, we screenshot the last page and we send it to ourselves so we can stay accountable. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 11 has been something that over the past few years has evolved. And I mean, I literally have a prayer closet and I abide my time in God and I do not speak. I get up before my whole household 
everyone, including my dog. I get up before everyone and I go into my prayer closet and I get with God and I pray and I read. I read the big book. I read other literature, you know, spiritual literature. And I meditate in here because I need God. That is not me saying that I'm so great. Like, wow, look at how much work I do, you know, with God. I'm so amazing. That means that for me is I am so sick without God. I need him so greatly. So before I even speak to someone in my house, I have to get with God because I don't even know. I, like I said, I wake up every day with untreated alcoholism. So what does that mean for me? That, that means I have action that I have to take. And being in my prayer closet is the action that I take. And I love it. I love it so much. I have vision boards in here. I have like letters from people in my life that have like filled me with love. And when I walk in here, this room is baked with God. And I love it so, so much. And then I'm able to deal with the world. I'm able to say hello and good morning. (laughs) I'm not mad at you because you slept in. Like you do you live your life, you know? Before I was just so controlling and didn't want anyone to live their lives. And, And now because I'm getting right with God, I'm a la- I'm able to allow people to just be, just be. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. That's what I'm doing right on this podcast with you guys and with the women that I sponsor, the detoxes and the rehabs that I go into, that I share my experience, strength and hope. You know, I try to carry this message in every single way that I can, every way that I can. And and not only speaking this out loud, because anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our traditions, I don't just have to speak this out loud. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. So I try to walk the walk more than I talk the talk. And people can feel something different in someone who is not just speaking things at people, but they're walking in love and light and listening to others. I don't have to agree with what everyone else says, but I can listen and I can love them and be there for anyone who needs my help. Um, This program brought me to myself. It showed me who I truly am. You know, my favorite expression in the entire world is to thine own self be true. And that is so powerful for me because if I'm not true with myself and if I don't love myself, I can't be true or love anyone else. You know, um, if someone has not yet gone to their first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, let me just say, there is nothing, no thing to be afraid of that voice that's telling you you're not worthy you're not good enough is a lie we are waiting for you to embrace you with so much love and so much compassion and so much understanding there is not one thing that you have done that one of us hasn't done if it's got a name honey it's been done okay (laughs) you do not ever have to feel what you have been feeling again you are welcome in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you so much. That's all I have. Thank you so much, Ashley. A, uh, a true, true gift, your message, true gift from God. Um, 
And we, we appreciate everybody that's listening right now, identified in different ways. I'm Mike, grateful alcoholic. Um, and I know for sure when you were talking about the different uh, round of friends that you had, like different groups, and you would hang out with some and then go to the next, right. and be like, what's wrong with you? You know, um, I identified with that um, and would never let the two friend groups uh, know that I was hanging out with the other right. one before or after. Um, because I did feel like people were looking at me different. And I, I couldn't understand it. I had a good friend that was definitely not one of us. And he would actually stop drinking the minute that he felt the buzz. And right. like, that's when you turn it on. And like, I'm thankful that he never <laughs> took my advice. And, uh, you know, to this day, he's still one of my best friends. He's he's. I don't even think he's a normie because he, he would stay away from it so much um, that it was just, and now we have the best of friendship, you know, he's cause he said, I was always so worried, you know, about you through it all. And um, when you were talking about uh, identifying with your sponsor, it's, it's really funny how I feel like God puts people uh, in places. And I was talking just to my wife about this, because when I moved down to Celebration, Florida, four years ago, I was actually on vacation. And I said, you know, before I ever knew that I was moving to Celebration, I heard my current sponsor, Brian, uh, James and I have the same sponsor. And I heard him speaking and I said, you know what? And I don't know why I said it. I said, yeah, if I ever find myself living here, I want, I want that guy to sponsor me. And then six months later, um, my wife had an opportunity and we moved here and I already knew who I was going to go up to and ask, you know, and it's those, those moments because, you know, your sponsor could have said, as you know, when you, when you tell your story, um, you know, I usually say a prayer right beforehand and I know that God's with me. I sit on the edge of my seat. So that way, um, you know, God oh, can share the seat I with me that. and be right next to me. And he, uh, he kind of just speaks whatever the heck I'm going to say. Sometimes I share stuff and I say, I don't even know why I did that. You know, I never shared that with anybody uh, else, but then somebody comes up to me afterwards and that's mm -hmm. what they connected yeah. with. And I think it's, it's such a miracle um, to see it like that. And the last thing that I wanted to uh, share as far as identifying, isn't it funny that, um, you know, before I came into the rooms, when a friend would top my story, you know, if I said, oh, I had a bad day, I had a flat tire, and then somebody comes up and goes, oh, yeah, well, like my car, it just exploded. <laughs> you know, it just, the, the whole thing caught fire. And before the rooms, I would take offense to that and be like, okay, this person's trying to top me. But when a sponsor identifies when you're doing a fourth step and tops it, you're almost yeah. like, this is great. You know, like this person has been through it and more and know that you know, with the honesty of the program, most likely they are telling you the truth and they're doing it to make you feel okay, right. like safe, you know, and that's, it's just one of the many gifts that I appreciate every single time. And without you telling that in your story, um, you know, I wouldn't feel a part of today. So I thank you for thank that. You, I really do. Dennis. Uh, hello. Uh, thank you, Ashley, for sharing your story. It really was beautiful. Um, I guess uh, there's several things that I can relate to 
I, I really liked the way that you opened your story when you gave a little backstory of your upbringing and stuff like that. And then you clarify that that doesn't define you and that's not the excuse. I remember when I was younger, like, you know, I would always say, well, if you live the life I had or these things happen to you, these tragic events or whatever you would drink to or you would use drugs to, you know, it's like mm -hmm. that was my excuse. But the reality of it was that that's not the reason I drank or used. It was like I literally I liked to party. I liked to have fun. And that was my escape from the world. But those weren't the reasons. Those were just the excuses I used mm -hmm. to justify my actions in a way. And then um, I liked how when you talked about your sponsor, how your sponsor didn't tell your exact story when you first heard her or whatever, but she spoke from the heart and the, the message was there. And I think, you know, I can relate that to, to me listening to your story. You know, when I was younger, I went into a lot of institutions. I got arrested at 15 and that started a whole chain of events of detention centers, rehabs, court cases, and all of that kind of stuff that didn't end until I was like 18 or whatever. And that's like almost where our similarities in our story ends. But then you speak, you spoke about, you know, the incomprehensible demoralization and, and, and the pain of it. You know, we all, no matter what our stories are and stuff like that, we can all relate to where that brings us. You know, it brings us on our knees asking, God, how did we get here? Please help me out of it. And you know, I think that's very powerful because, you know, it doesn't matter if our lives are different or anything like that. It's that pain, that desperation, that, that feeling of loss and helplessness that ultimately gets us here, you know, and that, and in your case, it got you to the rooms yes. to actually do the work. And I think it's also very important. And like you kind of said in your closing statement, of, you know, it doesn't matter what has happened to us, what have we done in our past or where we come from or any of the things that we cloud our head with. But if we actually turn it over to God and actually do the work, it works for all of us universally, no matter where we come from. You know, it doesn't matter what we've done. Like no one here is judging people. No one here is going to hear anything new because we've heard it all before and probably done 90 percent of it but the important message is that like it does work if you work it you know but thank you again for sharing it i really i think i got personally got a lot out of your story and uh i thank james for asking you thank to do you. it as well so thank you james hey guys i'm james i'm an alcoholic Ashley, I, I love you. You know, I've heard your story three or four times, and this has by far been the best. And you're not even in the room with me. I, had, I got the chills like three times, and that's how powerful your story is and your message, you know. Without seeing you and being in the room with you, I got chills, and I was just blown away. You know? it, your story always makes me smile. There's so much hope. There's so much love. Um, you know, I, I too drank alcoholically from a, a young age, you know, situations in my life happened where 
I was, you know, just like at that. And then I was just going to drink to get drunk and just do as many drugs as I could because I didn't care. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. God had abandoned me and I was on my own, you know, and I could totally identify with you when you, when you finally got to your breaking point. I, I got to my breaking point and, you know, it was either, it was either death or I, I got on my knees and I prayed to a God that I, I knew nothing about. And when you talked about that overwhelming grace and that love that you felt, I know exactly where you're coming from. I felt that too. I felt that so strongly. And, you know, and I was the same way. I'd in and out of AA for years, you know, mm-hmm. it took me over in a decade just to get 30 days sober. And, um, at that point, you know, it was just like, okay, um, what do I do now? Right. And in the back of my head, I was like, oh yeah, there's AA. And sure, and sure enough, like I, I, I was able to see everything um, with, a, with a new set of glasses. I was able to like, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, okay. And I was able to do the fourth and fifth step. I felt my, my fifth step wow. did, as well it took nine hours i was sitting under a tree in a park with my sponsor and god bless him he was just like so thorough he was i remember him just like he was like swinging on the tree just listening to me like "Uh uh-huh and how did that make you feel go on and what was your part in it and we just on and on and it was so good and i felt so good after it you know and lastly i wanted to just um Mm. mention you had mentioned your son uh jackson you know, I've seen you with your son, and <laughs> you love on him so much, and I feel that, and, you know, I feel the same way with my children. I, I love them. I would do anything for them, you know, through my drinking and my yeah. addiction. You know, I lost my family. I gave it away, and, you know, I was, you know, months without my children, and now I do everything I can to be with them. I talk to them every day. They know my struggle. They know that I'm in AA. Yeah. And they don't care. They're just happy their dad's back. And so thank God for the miracle of AA. I love you too, James. Thank you so much. I love you. Ashley, thank you. Uh, bless you. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. Uh, it means so much to not only the three of us, but uh, everyone that is listening right now. And uh, Dennis is actually in charge of connecting uh, I guess the world to us on social media, Dennis, if anyone wants to share their story with us or, or share anything that they got out of it, how can they do that? Um, on Twitter at the underscore characters, just reach out to us there. Uh, we're opening to remotely hearing people's stories and sharing it with anyone that's listening and stuff. So if you are interested, just reach us, reach out to us there. And we will promptly get back to you. And if you, if you get offended underst- by anything on social media, it's probably Dennis that's the one that's <laughs> offending you. I try my best. <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> so, well, thank you again, Ashley, honestly, so much. Uh, we'll be back next th- Thursday sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 34, where the defective character is entirely ready to have all these defects removed. Remember... To thine own self be true. And we'll see you next time. Bye.